you have your Bibles, open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5, if you're just joining us today, we're uh, I think week 3. This summer, uh, we're looking at what does the Bible say about church, right? What is, what is God's view of the church? And, and if you notice in your sermon notes there in the bulletin, the, the title is The Church, colon, He, We, Me, right? And, and that, that kind of came to me uh, just yesterday. I'm like, Lord, how, how do you want to approach this? Well, give me some kind of general structure, framework. And, and over the last few weeks, it became evident that the church, if we get this, those three words in that order, we're pretty good. We're pretty good. The church is about he, right? Everyone say he. He, he right? Matthew 16, right? We had this conversation two weeks ago where Jesus asks Peter, Hey, who do people say I am? And Peter says, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Right? And Jesus says, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, uh, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Right? The rock of who Jesus is. That conviction, that doctrinal truth. So the church is built on a he. Christ, Jesus, being the Messiah, the anointed one. Right? So if that is your conviction, we've seen that, that at, at the moment that that becomes your conviction, the Bible has shown us in, in 1 Corinthians, right, that you are placed into, the Bible says baptized, which means placed into the church, the body of Christ. Right? That in and of itself can kind of be a little bit challenging because, for me even, I grew up going to church. Going to church. And my understanding of church, quite frankly, when it said the we part of church, that was pretty much limited to my immediate family was the we. Okay, so if you asked me or my siblings, did you go to church, we would say we went to church. The we was our immediate family. We went to church, right? And so as soon as church was finished, we left church. And that's the paradigm, that's the relationship with church that I brought into a relationship with Jesus that really was, was, was quite challenging to undo because week after week, since I was, as far as I can remember, all the way to young 20s, that was the mantra. That was my understanding and my conviction and how we did church. We, my immediate family, went to church when church was finished, we, my immediate family, left. Okay? As I became a believer, and as we're learning these last few weeks, and, and the next few weeks moving forward, the biblical view of church is radically different, and, quite frankly, kind of a little bit unsettling. A little unsettling, because when we understand that that we means everyone who has that conviction of who Christ is, everyone is placed into the church, and the church can meet in local places, so it's not necessarily bad to say we're going to church, if you understand that the church is the people gathering in local assemblies, that's what the word church means, ecclesia is an assembly, okay? So in the Ojai Valley, there are assemblies of believers gathering in local churches, but there is the Church of the Ojai Valley, and there is the Church Universal, made up of all people who share the conviction of who Jesus is. 
we kind of get there, and that's like, okay, cool, I'm in the church. Where it gets a little bit challenging is this we. And what that means, and what that, what that even requires, what our roles and responsibilities are. And last week, we began looking at we in a real practical way. In 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 17, we saw this. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, the Apostle Paul is speaking to the church at a city called Corinth. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So, quick review, if you're a believer, you've been placed into the church and you already have a ministry. Right? We tend to define ministry as child care, worship team, kitchens, common, right? No. In a broad sense, we all have the ministry of reconciliation. And in this passage, we're called ambassadors of reconciliation. Right? So you have a ministry. See, that's where I told you it gets a little bit uncomfortable right away. Because if you're like me, the way I grew up in church was we, my immediate family, went to church. When church was done, we left church. And we got on with our life. And if the church was holding a social function that we wanted to attend, we would go or not. But this idea of us having a ministry and being the church 24-7, 365, ooh, now you're, now, you're, now you're getting a little close here. Now you're touching my schedule. Now you're touching my priorities. Now you're touching my feelings and my desires and maybe my pocketbook. It's much cleaner to we go to church, we leave church, and we decide what we want to do. And we'll stay as long as that church meets our needs. And as soon as it doesn't, we out. <laughs> I've been in ministry 25 years. I've seen this over and over and over. This we, in our very individualistic private property, it's mine world, the biblical construct of the church is way uncomfortable. I remember the first time I went to the East Coast uh, to visit someone, I think it was in Philadelphia, around east somewhere, and he had, he lived in a neighborhood with these houses, right? I think it was row houses. And I went to his backyard, I'm like, where's your fences? <laughs> like, separating the backyards. I'm like, where's your fences? It's like, we don't have that here. Weird. <laughs> Anyone, right? Right? I mean, you've been right. You're like, where's the fences? You mean there's no fences between your backyard and anyone can just come and go? And weird. <laughs> because, right? Some of us grow up. We're in hunker mentality. <laughs> Gate, dog. Right? Now we got cameras. It's anyone approaching? Right? And it's like, <clears throat> who goes there? You know? And you're like this. Right? Some of you probably, your phones will go up. Oh, honey, there's someone at the front door right now. Right? See, that section over there is techie. This section like, what? What? We can do that? Right? So, so we grow up, we pick up that it's mine. It's mine. It's me. It's my time. It's my house. It's my car. It's my life. And Jesus comes along and says, hey, you believe in me? Boop, you're in the church. It's all about we. And 1 Corinthians even says, you don't belong to yourself. You were bought with a price. What? 
But I have my goals. And I have my aspirations. And I have my plans. 1 Corinthians 6 says you were bought with a price. You don't even belong to yourself. <laughs> what time does that other church service start? <laughs> I get it. It can rock your world. It, 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 it's Because that we is made up of a lot of people in this room who are imperfect, who will step on your toes, who may not be nice, who may snap at you, who may come to church grumpy, grumbly, may not say hi to you. Mm. Mm. Right? It's challenging because even in a setting like this, some of you may have come here with that same mentality. We're going to church and we're going to sit in about 90 people, but it's still really just us. You know what the crazy thing is? I think there's 120 chairs in here, right? We know, for comfort's sake, that for 90 people, we need about 120 chairs. <laughs> Why? Because I need one empty here and here. <laughs> And some of you are feeling really good till about 9.59. Oh, this is good. Oh, yeah, hi, Sophie. Space looks comfortable this morning. And hi. Huh? Not saying anything about, you know, Martin Kathy, welcome back. But Martin, you got one on your side. Kathy, you got two on your side. I'm just saying. And you got a vacant one behind you. No one's a thing in your ear. Like, ah, yes, my little bubble, my little cocoon. But we went to church. Right? I get that. It, it, it's, oh, man, something just grates on us. Like, we, 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 huh. Right? But we've learned it is a we. And... And last week, i got to tell you, you know, the, the Bible says that the church is a body of Christ. It's an organism. And churches mature. And churches grow over time. Healthy churches grow, not numerically. We're concerned about spiritual depth, spiritual maturity. Now, I believe that as we grow spiritually, God will bring people. Right? I believe that. But fundamentally, we're designed to be called to be healthy. Right? Because we're an organism. Last week, if you were here on Sunday, I believe that, that we took pretty significant step forward in maturity as a church, if you were here. Because of this, the church, you, were presented an opportunity to act and to experience something bigger than yourself, to experience being the church, and many of you did. Many of you did. And if you weren't here, uh, I shared a story that happened in the beginning of July just a few weeks ago, in Panama City, where nine people got pulled out about 100 yards offshore by a riptide. So nine people were uh, out there uh, getting real tired. And the strangers on the beach, the strangers, people who didn't know each other, rallied, and they formed a human chain. Go ahead, Eileen. They formed a human chain. Complete strangers, some who couldn't even swim. They stayed in the shallows. Complete strangers saw a need. And they formed a human chain. And then two strong swimmers on boogie boards went out to nine people. And one by one, they, they grabbed, they started with the two elementary boys that had been out there the longest. And then they passed them. And each 
person was passed down the line. And last Sunday, we learned that we were ambassadors of reconciliation, and I had Tyler open those those doors. And in a very real way, we understood that there are people outside those doors who are caught in in riptides. They're drowning. They're drowning. And as ambassadors of reconciliation, we all have a ministry. Not to bring them to the well. This might be a starting point, but really to bring them to Jesus, to the cross. Amen? Amen. And I simply asked the church, I asked the church, I said, church, are we going to be the church? And the church became the church in a very profound way. Here's the Here's the, the question that I, here's the answer to the question. Did anybody know? The answer is no. Not even Bill and Tyler knew. Because it was a step of faith for me and us. And so I simply was at the cross and I said, will the church be the church? And this is what the church did. They got it. And they went all the way out to And it was a profound moment for us as a church family. And a step of faith, because I didn't want it to be me asking anyone to do anything here. I literally told Bill before service started, brother, I don't know what's going to happen. And when God moved, many of you were deeply impacted. You, there were tears all the way out to the street. I believe, thank you, Ali, I believe God touched you in a profound way that, yes, this is it. It's the we. It's bigger than us. We're a part of what God's doing out the door. And when you when you overcame the fear, what are they going to think about me? Does he really want me to go up? What, what are we supposed to do here? When, when some of you broke the ice for the others, it was like a waterfall. It was just boom. And suddenly the church came to life. Because in the church, guys, i got to encourage you, in the church, over time, sometimes we learn just passivity. There's an expectation where you come and you sit in these nice rows in air-conditioned buildings and, and you're not allowed to talk and you just listen and you just be passive. Just be passive. Just do what you did in school. And unfortunately, what happens is that passivity goes out with you. Right? Isn't it crazy that the Bible says every believer has been given a spiritual gift to be used? Isn't it kind of crazy that the way we do church now is all of you came and you saw just to see a few of us use our gifts? All of you, if you're a believer, you have a spiritual gift that's supposed to be used. But the way we do church is we're going to gather once a week to hear him use his gift. Crazy, huh? We define church as going to hear someone use their gift. No. The church is we. And, and as we move forward this morning, I think we're going to be challenged again about what the church is and isn't by how the Apostle Paul teaches us the ordinance of communion. So turn to 1 Corinthians, go one book to your left, 1 Corinthians 10. 
1 Corinthians 10. In context, in 1 Corinthians 10, the Apostle Paul is dealing with a whole lot of issues in the church at Corinth. Okay? Corinth was a very wealthy city. People were materially well off, and Corinth could be Ohio. There were a lot of issues going on in this church. Okay? There was division about allegiance to leaders. Some were of Paul, some were of Apollos, right? There were moral issues. There was sexual immorality, there were moral issues, sin issues in the church. They were dealing with idolatry. Should we go eat at pagan temples? There was issues of idolatry, getting involved with the culture, right? There were disputes, just straight up divisions and disputes in the church. There was class distinctions, the wealthy versus the poor, around the Lord's Supper. Spiritual gifts. Some were flaunting spiritual gifts. There was issues about spiritual gifts. And then there were doctrinal disputes. Anyone want to sign up for that church? <laughs> church is made up of the same people. So into this church, the Apostle Paul, he's dealing in 1 Corinthians 10 specifically with the issue of idolatry. Of idolatry, eating food, sacrifice to idols and pagan temples. That's, that's the context, but understand the broader context. Is there's a lot happening in this church. And to address it, the Apostle Paul uses what we call communion. What? How can communion address all of that, all, all that line of issues? Are you kidding me? How can communion resolve that? How can communion unite a divided church. That's what we're going to see. Because if we understand communion biblically, I believe you, me, this church, we're going to take another step forward today. We are. The challenge for the church here is when I say communion, you've already defined it. It's a ritual, right? What we do every it's what we do every week at the end of service, right? Your familiarity, your repetition of doing communion, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to hold it like this this morning. Not that it's wrong, but it may be incomplete. You may not have the full picture of what communion is. And I get it, it's one of these very familiar church terms, just like church, and sometimes you want to check out. Because, ah, oh, tell me something I haven't heard. My encouragement to you is hang in there today. Because when we understand what the Apostle Paul is teaching in 1 Corinthians 10, it may radically impact the choices you make and I make when we leave here. That fast. That fast. So 1 Corinthians 10, verse 14. So he's dealing with idolatry. We talked about that. We'll pick up in verse 14. 1 Corinthians 10. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one body. We who are many are one body. For we all partake of the one body. Consider the people of Israel. 
Do not those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar? Do I mean then that a sacrifice offered to an idol is anything or that an idol is anything? No. But the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons, not to God. And I do not want you to be participants with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. Are we trying to arouse the Lord's jealousy? Are we stronger than him? Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. Right? So again, he starts verse 14, he's very, very frank. Hey, flee from idolatry. And here's the word picture he's giving us as it relates to communion. Verse 16, is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? That word participation is the key word. It's, re it's repeated. In the Greek, it's koinonia. Some of you may be familiar with that word. It means fellowship, sharing, having all things in common. So, so out on the street, underneath the well, it says, Ojai Valley Christian Fellowship. So, Ojai Valley Christian Koinonia. So, Ojai Valley Christian Participation. Ojai Valley Christian Sharing. Ojai Valley Christian Having All Things in Common. Ojai Valley Christian That word participation is the key word. And when I shared about me and my family going to the we and that whole thing, participate. Participate. You ever been invited somewhere and you ask, do I have to do anything? <laughs> Anyone? Right? Maybe, maybe someone invites you to a, a you know, I've, I've had my wife and I, we're dating, or when we're married, she says, hey, you want to go to this dinner? Who's going to be there? <laughs> no, 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 it'll be fun. Do I have to do anything? Right? I mean, do I have to participate? Right? This participation thing. Uh, uh. And he says right here, communion is rooted in participation. It's the same word. In the King James, where it says a participation, you can put communion. It's a communion. That's why we call it communion. It's koinonia. It's sharing, participation, having all things in common. In fact, that word is used in marriage where a husband and wife contract together to jointly participate in the necessities of life. Jointly participate in the necessities of life. That's koinonia. That's participation. That's fellowship. Now, how do we usually define fellowship? Donuts and coffee. <laughs> in the fellowship hall. And then we leave. But we fellowship. Did you? Or did you socialize? Did you participate? Or did you snack? And I'm not saying it's, it's wrong to socialize. I'm not saying it's wrong, it's wrong to have a coffee and donuts. By all means, please come over. We would love to get to know you. Why? Because we're all participants. It's relationship. So he says here, 
Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which you give thanks a, a what? Oh, no one wants to say it because now you're going, oh. A what? Say it with enthusiasm now. A what? Oh. Some of you still don't want to say it. Because that might then mean something. Oh, man. I liked it better when we just went and watched the show. I liked it better when church was just passive and we went and then we left. Now he's saying we're participants. I'm not saying it. Paul is. We're participants in this. Just like many of you participated last Sunday. And oh, what joy there was to participate. Amen. What is he saying? He's, he's referring to communion. The, the blood of Christ is his death. The, the body, right? The Bible says Jesus' body wasn't broken, so body really kind of refers to his life, his, his humanness, his, his ministry on earth. So he's saying communion is a participation, an identification, a sharing in the death, resurrect, death, life, resurrection of Jesus. First and foremost, it is a participation, a communion with him. With him. That is why we, we, we carve out the time we do here for this. Because I understand how crazy life is outside of these doors. So if once a week, and by the way, the early church did this daily. You don't have to wait for communion here. If we can gather and give you a time to commune with Jesus. That's a good thing. And what does that mean? It means that sometimes you need that time to, to just, oh, Lord, I'm, I'm a participant with you. It means we share collectively in salvation. Amen? See, what has happened, what has happened is this. Turn, uh, look at uh, one chapter over in 11. This is kind of where, where most of us come from when it comes to communion. 1 Corinthians 11, 23. That's why it's saying it's not wrong. It may just be incomplete. 11, 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. I read this passage frequently here. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Many of us have grown up and learned and adopted the definition that communion is a memorial. It is, right? Because he just says, do this in remembrance of me. So if we're not careful, though, and we don't understand the full biblical understanding of communion... We, we slot communion time as just remembering the past. Something that Jesus did for me in the past. And then look at verse 20, verse 26. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Oh, okay. One verse further says we're proclaiming a future event. So some of us, your definition of communion is let's remember the past, let's look to the future question of the day is, how does communion relate to today? 
That's the missing piece for many of us. And that's why Paul uses it in 1 Corinthians 10, because the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 10 are dealing with present-day sin struggles, idolatry, division, sexual immorality. He addresses present-day issues with communion. Why? Because communion, understood rightly, has present-day implications. Your identity. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. Being a new creation. All of that is present tense to help you deal with what's waiting for you outside those doors. There is an incredible verse. If you have not been on Tuesday's Bible study, you need to come. Turn to Galatians 2.20. Keep your finger on 1 Corinthians 10. We're going to come back to that. Look at Galatians 2.20. I love this verse and God's timing to bring it out with Bill because this is the essence of communion. This is the essence of the present tense spiritual reality that you and I can walk in. Right? Look at Galatians 2.20. Present tense applies to believers right at this very second. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ what? Lives. Past, present, or future? I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who lived me and gave himself for me. That is a present tense verse. That is a present tense verse. And sometimes what we need is an opportunity to commune with God so that these verses... Come to life. Come to life. You feel it deeply in your soul. Here, here's a picture. I went. I did it. I was asked to do a memorial at, at Continuing Care on Friday. A dear saint. And in the room, they had put together a collage of her, and we watched a video where people were speaking about her. But here's the point. When the people who really knew her, I didn't really even know her, but the residents and the staff, when they saw the picture, she was there. You ever been somewhere to a memorial or even a picture you have of someone, and you see the picture, and you're like, oh, yeah, and it becomes so real? Anyone, right? The picture becomes real, and you're joyful, and you might cry, and you'll smile. Hey, you remember? And that picture triggers this reality, this present tense reality. That's communion. Where we get a chance to commune with God so that these verses, boom, come to life. See, Galatians 2.20, someone here might need that before you leave here. I have been crucified with Christ. You're identifying. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Present tense, 11.13. Right now, if you're a believer, Christ lives in you. So if you've been struggling with an issue in your own strength, in your own understanding, life changes. If you will commune and take opportunity to let these spiritual truths come to life. 
find the light. Jump off the page. You ever have this verse that was real familiar and it's something you go for a walk you're having quiet time and this verse just leaps at you? And you you think, and you, and you want to share it with someone because suddenly this verse that you're so familiar with is just like, oh, I get it. I get it. And you share it with someone like, yeah, you knew that. But to you, it was that moment. That's what communion is. A moment of communing, participating in who you are in your relationship with Jesus. It's a sharing. It's a sharing. Collective sharing. If you're a believer here, we all share the collective benefits of salvation. Amen? So what has happened? And this, you know, I, I think we're even going to have to own our guilt in this. Sometimes we overemphasize that communion is very private and personal. When truth be known, it's a participation. It's a sharing in common. The private and personal is still there, but sometimes it gets overemphasized. And suddenly it's just about me. And just about me and Jesus and what he's doing in my life. When the truth be known, it's a participation. That if you're sitting next to a believer, you share in common all the same biblical benefits as you. Amen? That's the joy of the church. That's the joy of communion. It's not just celebrating me, 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 me. It's us, 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 us. That's where churches get to lie. That's where we go, boom, we're alive. Because it's not about me. It's a we. It's a we. Right? And that's that And then he says this. He keeps going. Go back to 1 Corinthians 10. So we get that communion part with Jesus, the vertical, what we call it on here. Then he says this in the horizontal. Verse 17. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. What did Jesus say? I am the bread of life. We already saw that the church is built on the heat. He's the cornerstone. He is the one loaf. And so here's the other part of communion. And this is the part that that whole participation thing is kind of challenging. When we choose to participate in communion, what we are affirming and proclaiming to other believers, I'm in. I'm in. And now I'm called to love you, forgive you, bear with you. There are 59 one another's. See the significance of communion? With Jesus, it's an opportunity to bring scripture and your truth alive. It's, 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 it's an opportunity for us to collectively celebrate all the salvation benefits. But here's the horizontal part and the challenging part. When you take communion, you are telling other believers, I'm a participant. I'm a participant in the body of Christ. I'm in. Yeah, it's weighty. Yeah, it, it's important. It's more than just symbols now, isn't it? Right? We, we've often said, and I'm guilty of this too, these are symbolic. No, it's more than symbolic. It's statements. Communion is statement time. It's a statement of who I am in Christ, but it's also a statement to my brothers and sisters in Christ that I'm in. 
we are the body. As imperfect as we are, as much as we're going to wrinkle each other and step on toes and da-da-da-da-da, we are the body. And like I said, I can give you a list of 59 one another's. Love one another, forgive one another, bear with one another, be kind and compassionate to one another. How many of you that's plenty for a while? <laughs> That'll keep you busy. And here's the crazy thing. It's right here. It's right here. Because I was thinking of that line that went out the door last Sunday. And we had this vision and it was beautiful because you wanted to go out and be ministers of reconciliation. But did you ever think that that person on either side of you needs you just as much? That the church being ambassadors of reconciliation begins with the church. Loving one another. What did Jesus say? John 13. They will know you are my disciples by that really cool place you go to on Sundays. They will know you're my disciples by that worship team. No. John 13. They will know you're my disciples by your love. Self-sacrificial agape love. That's how the world will know we're followers of Jesus. Is our love for one another. That's what he says. We all came from one loaf. We're all participants. We're all in this together. And so when we take communion, it's an awesome, incredible time to share what we have in common and who we are in Christ, the commonality of our new identity, the commonality of our resources in the Spirit. But it's also a statement to the body as a whole that I'm in. And that's where it gets a little bit, if you're thinking about you, if it's, just, if it's me centered, that's where it gets a little bit. I shared with you the story when I was in college. I graduated from UCLA, and, and there was a period of, 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 of college time where I, I, I thought very seriously of joining uh, the ROTC, the Navy. My dad had been a uh, career Navy guy, my brother went to the Naval Academy, so I'm like, oh yeah, I'll check it out. Met with the recruiters, talked, got the application. And then the day came when I had to turn it in. And it was pretty sure that I was going to be accepted because I was a good student, yada, yada. But that day came, and I was holding that application. And I'm like, dude, if you turn this in, your life is done. <laughs> they own you. They own you. They're, you're in. If none of this come and go as you want, stay up late having pizza and basketball with the boys. No. When you sign and you, you give it to them, you're in. And that was waiting for me. So I didn't turn it in. Because <laughs> I wasn't ready to give up my independence. I didn't want it, you know. But that's the same situation. We're participants. We're participants. And, and the, the challenge is this. Do you want to receive all the benefits without accepting the responsibilities?
doing the pass out the trade thing. Right? And why is that? It's very intentional. Because of 1 Corinthians 10. Because sometimes, and, and it's always a challenge, you know, sometimes we want to try to be effective and, and very efficient in church. So we send out these trays with these cups and we have ushers and it's done very well. Wes, very well done. Right? Very efficient. Very organized. But unfortunately, what that can communicate when it comes to communion is it's all about you. Because you get your cups and then you have your moment. Again, nothing necessarily wrong with that unless you take it too far and now your whole faith is about you. And it's just a personal, private thing. So this morning, we're going to give you an opportunity. It's not religiosity and it's not even ritual. It's not. It's just an opportunity. Based on 1 Corinthians 10, here's communion. Communion with the Lord this way, and now statement of communion this way, commonality, participation. Now, the Apostle Paul, to finish that chapter, says this Hey guys, so you're at the church and you take communion and you identify yourself with Christ, you participate with Christ. How then can you leave the church and participate? With the pagans. That's what he's saying. And that's the challenge for us as we leave here. Are you going to take communion and, and in this moment identify your participation with Jesus and then leave here and today or the rest of the week do things that identify yourself as a participant with the Lord? In fact, he gets pretty, pretty blunt, he says, and some of that stuff you're dabbling with is demonic. They're thinking it's innocent stuff. They're thinking it's us. It's just. He's like, no, it's demonic. So he says, how can you identify yourself with Christ and then go be a participant with the world system? That's what he's saying. That's the application. So before you come up, and again, this is just an opportunity. doesn't mean just because someone gets up, you've got to form lines. Probably better you do form lines, because you need time to honestly commune. And if you are right now at a place where you're struggling, and quite frankly, for you to come up would be inconsistent with choices you're making out of here, you might just want to wait until you resolve that. Now, you can resolve it right now. You can confess it. You can ask God to forgive you right now. You can purpose in your heart to repent or just turn 180 degrees. Immediately, you receive forgiveness. By all means, this could be a great catalyst for you to live a consistent life here and out there. Because you'll take communion here. You'll understand the identification, the participation. And you know what might just register when you're tempted out there? I can't do this. Because on Sunday, I, I, I identified with Jesus as a participant in the church. I can't do this right now because I can't choose to be a participant in the world, in sin. That's the power of communion. The other element today, guys, where are you with your part and your role and responsibility and the unity and the growth of the church? 
Are you in a place where you can take communion from one loaf and say in your heart to other believers, I'm in. I'm a participant. And this has nothing to do with this local organization. We're talking the church as a whole. If this is where God calls you to grow and serve, we would love to have you. But this is not about us growing the well. This is about you and Jesus and you and the church. Are you at a place where communion you would come forward and say, okay, I get it. Didn't know that before I walked in. A lot weightier, but okay. And we're not asking to have it all dialed in and be perfect. We're just asking you to be willing to move forward step by step in the promise. One step at a time. So yeah, communion is weighty. It's a weighty thing. Something that the Lord does not take lightly. It's not just an add-on at the end of service. You're making a statement of conviction and you're making a statement of roles and responsibilities and commitment to Jesus and his church. That's what this is about. And here's, here's a final encouragement. If you're here and you don't know where you stand, if you're in the church, you don't know if you've ever put your faith in Jesus, and am I in the church? Here's the glorious truth for you. Put your faith in Jesus. Rest in him alone for salvation. We're saved by grace through faith, not by works. You're never going to earn it. Receive the gift of salvation. And here's the radical thing. You're in the church. Take communion. to jump through hoops. Because you're in. I remember what in means. A puff, puff, what? Participation. <laughs> but it's a glorious participation. Amen. It's glorious. Amen. It's the greatest privilege in the whole world. I shared with you last Sunday. What is one thing that's not going to be in heaven? Evangelism. <laughs> I never thought about that. That's right. Everyone up there safe. Yeah. yeah. That's why you're there. We get the privilege until he wraps it all up and calls it good to be a part of that. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we are. We're the body of Christ. So here's what we're going to do. We have some bread here taken from a loaf. We have the cups. If you're unable to come up, uh, for whatever reason, physical limitation or whatever, just slide your hand up and Bill and Wes will be glad to take um, the juice and bread out to you. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you an opportunity to commune. Have a moment of, Lord, where am I with you? Whew. Am I being consistent? Am I going to identify with you here right now, but then an hour from now, who am I going to identify with? What am I going to identify with? Am I going to somehow get caught up in the system of the world and now I'm a participant out there? Ah. Lord, where am I with the unity? Am I, am I going to come up and take the bread from one loaf and, and as, as kind of a statement to everyone else, I'm in. Let's do this, as they say. Let's just do this. Or maybe you're like, Lord, I, I, never, really, I never understood this. Now I get it. Maybe not 100%, but I get it. So Jesus, in the best way I know how, I'm putting my faith in you. Okay? If that's you, come take communion and start the journey with us. Amen? There are brothers and sisters in Christ who would love 
say, the world will know you're my disciples by your love for one another. So we're going to have an opportunity now to commune. On your own time, come up. Um, there's bread here, there's cups here. You can take it back to your seats, and you just take communion on your own. Don't wait, don't wait for me, don't wait for anyone else. Maybe a line, there may not be a line. Whenever you're ready, this is a time of communing. Vertically, and making a statement horizontally. <laughs> so take time, necessary time with your heart. Okay? Lord, thank you. Thank you. That communion isn't just remembering the past. And communion isn't just pointing to the future. Communion is present tense. And we are all tempted. And we are all going through stuff. Present tense. Things waiting outside these doors. Thank you. That through the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 10, we recognize that what we're about to participate in to come forward and participate as a member of the body of Christ that we are all joint participants we are all in this together so check our hearts Lord do what only you can do we love you thank you for your grace your mercy and we give this time of communion busyness of life in 2017, we have a place where we can commune with you and with each other. That we can have a place where we can uh, reflect on our lives, we can reflect on our relationship with you, we can make things right. And then, Lord, we can be prepared in the power of the Spirit to leave here and walk in newness of life to make decisions and choices that honor and glorify you, to make decisions and choices that are consistent with who we are in Christ, that are consistent with our participation this morning. So Lord, prepare us to be your ambassadors as we leave, to honor and glorify you in the tiniest of details in our life. Thank you for teaching us.